and welcome to the Home Lab Show, episode 119, Net Data, Net Data Interview with Costa here. How you doing, Costa? Hi, nice to meet you. It's very nice being here. Yeah, uh, he is the chief, chief troublemaker. I love the title. He's like, is this title all right? I'm like, it is accurate. It goes with this, you know, I love Right on with the branding over at Net Data. I, I Net like Data, that so much. Yeah, it is how you do some troubleshooting. It is I've talked about this in videos. Jay's done videos on it. We're both big fans of Net Data, yep. so we're really excited to have Costa here because Net Data does something. For those of you that you know, haven't watched, I'll say you, you didn't watch all the other videos we've done or listen to our discussions on it. In brief, I would say Net Data is one of the easiest to deploy tools to get you metrics out of your Linux systems, and it is just pre-templated easy, but it gets really a lot more in depth pretty quickly because of how much it does with so little from you. This is actually, I, I uh, we had to stop talking before the show because I was like, oh man, I could go into detail why I love NetData compared to other similar solutions simply because out right. of the box, it does so much, which is where probably we should start. It's, that is kind of how you came up with NetData. You you started looking at solutions. You, you know, you had a problem. This is how wonderful open source projects start. You had a yeah. problem you needed to solve. You couldn't believe there wasn't a solution. And so you started building one. So let's. Yeah. So the, the idea, the, well, everything started because I had some issues. So I was migrating some infrastructure, a fintech company, from on-prem to cloud, and we were facing really a lot of issues, random. Eh? It, it was not predict. They were not predictable. So suddenly, suddenly, Friday or a Thursday, uh, everything were going slow or you know didn't work. And we couldn't figure out why. So uh, the same application was working on-prem. Eh? So uh, I started buying tools, installing them, uh, building a team for net, for uh, monitoring and, and the likes. And after a lot of money and uh, quite some time, um, I concluded that you know I had built this video walls with all the dashboards and the likes, everything was there, every tool that existed, a lot of consultants and the likes, but we couldn't find the problem. So the problem was still there. So the monitoring systems could detect that something is wrong, but they could not tell us anything about what could possibly be wrong. So um, I had the feeling that everything, all the monitoring systems are there to feel, to make, to make us feel happy. So they satisfy the need we have for monitoring without actually monitoring. Eh? Then immediately I started thinking, okay, what does monitoring mean? What do we need to monitor? How does this, that this thing needs to work? Eh? So then I decided that uh, since my engineers end up using console tools to actually see what's happening, I decided that the granularity that we need for all metrics as a standard is what the console provides per second. And we need as many metrics as the console provides. That is unlimited. Huh? If there is a metric of some kind, we need it. Then we need a history for all this. Eh? So I started building a tool to actually kill the console access. It was not a monitoring. Uh, my, my intention was not to build the monitoring tool. It's, come on, let's eliminate the console. We need something that can have history, present all the metrics, all the information that is there in real time, exactly like the console, so we can grasp, we can understand what's happening there. This is how Nedeta was born. What happened at the end is that I found from within the VMs of the 
of the cloud provider that the cloud provider was performing updates on the VMs and they, they were freezing the VMs for a few seconds, one second, two seconds. So the whole infrastructure was like in slow motion, you know, tuck, 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 like this. Interesting. So there was no error, nowhere, no exception, no issue, nothing. But with Nedata, I managed to see the gaps because Nedata has a fixed. So if you go with Promethea and Grafana, for example, they smooth out these micro latencies between data collections. So you cannot see them. But in the data, this latency becomes gaps in the chart. So wh what gaps? How I have gaps? And they have them everywhere. <laughs> so this is how I found it. <laughs> it's really interesting. And I think a good point is not all the, some of these other dashboards were, were built by managers who think they know what they want, but the people who are facing the problem they know what they want. And you're right, having that time series uh, to show the gaps as opposed to smoothing, that that's huge. That's one of the reasons I was able to find an obscure problem in ZFS with one of my GNAP <laughs> yeah. systems was the way net data presented it gave me a better idea of, oh, wait, I can't pull these files at speed. I ended up doing some bug reporting for the way Linux and ZFS interact for decoding things because the only way to see it was like, wait, this process is supposed to be multi-threaded, but it's not multi-threading. How can I see that? Well, net data shows one thread getting pinned, not all, every time I move this file. But it was tricky to find because once you've moved the file once, it goes in the cache. And when it's in cache, it's multi-threaded, but it's the first time read is single-threaded. <laughs> those are those fine-grained details that uh, I can't name another tool I would have been able to really, outside of actually raw looking at processor usage while I move files. Of course, I thought I was dealing with a hard drive issue, so I wouldn't have thought to go to the processor. But those slices it gives you over time really are uh, you helpful. Know, what we do for, with Netdata is, especially for physical servers, is amazing. So if you have physical hardware, they have a ton of metrics, a ton of metrics, really thousands of them, that are just zero. They are errors of the PCI bus, errors of the memory modules, errors of this, of the, of the uh, you know, all over the place. Eh? For every component, there are sensors and there are error counters. If you check this, the, uh, the charts are always zero. Zero. There is nothing, eh? because there are no errors. What we do now is, of course, we don't collect all this. So, no, we collect all these thousands of metrics every, every second. So we go through the process of get the metrics, put them in the fetch them, etc. But we, we don't store them if they are zero. So the chart will appear the moment it's non-zero. <laughs> you get it? <laughs> yes. And what we also did, because this is, this is very important, what I wanted is... When I have network interfaces, disks, or whatever, I want to have component monitoring. So let's monitor a disk. How we can monitor a disk holistically, eh? the best we can? What alarms should, should be there for that disk? So the data is built from the ground up, while all monitoring solutions usually go helicopter view. Let's give you a helicopter view so that you can understand what's happening without much information. Eh? So I wanted something bottom-up. And I think this is the best way to actually monitor things, eh? bottom-up, not top-down. <laughs> oh, yeah. I agree with that completely. You're on mute, Jay. That's actually, I was good. glad I was on mute, so I didn't interject at the wrong time. Um, so I was just going to say, I, I think one of the things I love most about net data is how easy it is. And sometimes some people could take that for granted. 
before I say the rest of what I'm going to say, though, I do want to say NetData did not sponsor this podcast, by the way. Oh, yeah. We have Costa on here because we legitimately use it. I was looking for guests. And I have two more in addition that are coming um, that I can't say who yet, but uh, we reached out because we legitimately use net data in our business and our home lab. And coming from an MSP space, I remember going to this convention it was an Amazon web services convention and I was there and there's this monitoring system and they try to, someone tries to pitch me on it. I don't even remember which one it was now. And I thought at the time I thought it was great. So I get back to the office. This is before I was on my own. And I call them up. I'm like, yeah, let's, let's, let's look at this. And it was going to require like, I think a $60,000 statement of work just to install it. And it was going to require more AWS infrastructure be created to, hold, to house the system that they want. So they want our AWS account, but they're going to put everything in there for us. And then we have to maintain the servers that are maintaining the system that's monitoring the other stuff. It just seemed like a big disaster to me. So um, having a solution like this where somebody can download it and install it and you know they don't have to like sign up they don't have to have an account you could just use it you could just install the repository that's great and it makes so many of these um checks so much easier like you i don't know if you know this but netdata has invalidated a python script that i'm very proud of um so back <laughs> when i was managing nagios for a company they 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 already used that before i got there um, I created a Python script that would uh, make an API call to AWS, find out if there's any new servers. If there are, it would have a Jinja2 template for a Nagios host file, and it would automatically add a host file for every single node. And it took me, I think, two or three weeks to build this solution. And then NetData just auto detects everything. And it's like, <laughs> I don't even have to do anything at all. And another thing I like about net data too, the, the alerts make sense because sometimes people may not know, at least when they're starting out, they don't, know, they don't know how hard this is because at first it sounds easy. I want to know if SSH is available. Yes or no. I want to know if this service is running. I want to know if the hard disk is beyond a certain percentage thresh threshold that I'm not comfortable with and give me an alert if that happens. That's all easy. But when you get into the, um, you know, you're into the trenches on this, you find out it's not. I had a um, client one time, and this was kind of funny looking back, um, wanting to know why um, the system wasn't detecting the CPU properly. It was detecting, I think, the CPU at, at like a you know lower percentage or a higher percentage, but this, this computer was, co or the server was completely topping out. But the check checks the CPU percentage, and Costa probably knows where I'm going with this, at that point in time, at that one second. So if it hits the CPU, if it's like a five check thing and it hits five checks and the CPU is not even like at 100%, even though normally it is most of the time, but it hits it at just the right nanosecond, it's not going to alert. And I had to explain to the client, well, technically the alert is operating normally because every time it checks the server, it's at a lower percentage. It's just the problem. If you watch the CPU on a Linux server, you'll see it go 100% back down, 100% back down. It's like when a new task enters the queue, it just spikes the processor for you know, half a second. So it's always gonna fluctuate. And then I realized at that time that checking the CPU percentage is not a good idea. And, and <laughs> from there, it's like, there's all these other kinds of edge cases, but it's it's great to have a tool that you know knows about edge cases already and not having to think about that. I, I, it feels kind of like I'm lazy now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, to tell you the truth, I, when I was building the initially, eh, the first days of the tool, 
I was installing it on all the servers we had, hundreds of them. Mm-hmm. For me, it was crucial not to do configuration on every server. <laughs> so I wanted the tool to actually do, just install it and do everything. Eh? What is there? Yeah. Okay, I detected this, I detected that. Let's start monitoring that and proceed. So if you if you go to even to the largest enterprises today, they use the same components we all use. So they use an Nginx server or a PostgreSQL or a broker or Redis or something. They use the same Linux boxes that we all do, the same virtual or physical hardware. So it's the same thing. Of course, when you put all the Lego together, each one has a different building, but the components are the same. And the question is, why do you need to actually configure again and again what a disk is, what an Nginx is. Eh? It's stupid. The way <laughs> the other yeah. monitoring solutions do it, it's a waste at a global scale. I can't yeah. believe it. It makes, it makes companies it. a lot of money when they, they sell that statement. Yeah, of is my Nginx different than yours? Exactly. You, you yeah. have so different needs than mine from your web server or your database server? Come but on, your no. Nginx isn't being used as a proxy or web server and it's being used as something else? What's it being used for? And, and the logs are the same. I love that that data just pulls from whatever that engine you have on there. Kind of like you said, it looks at what exists and says, hey, let's. Oh, you have an Nginx, you have a MySQL database or whichever one you're using and starts putting it on there. I think that is just the beauty of it is that you don't have to configure it. As I've already seen someone in the comments talk about other tools and all those tools, they may be able to produce some pretty graphs, but they also come at the expense of your time. And time is, especially when you're repeating this across fleets of servers, when you get into the large-scale admin space, that's fleets of time. Right. <laughs> I have a really a funny story really quickly about uh, about this. So um, I hired somebody, or I didn't hire them myself, but I was part of the process. So they came on the team. And this individual is really sharp, really smart, and is is gone to incredible lengths in his career today. But he was just starting out. So he gets the project to set up uh, Graphite and Grafana. And I'm like, okay, that'd be a good first project for him. And I was having trouble with it. And this guy, he, he, he was able to get in there and really understand it. But there's some things he didn't understand. So he's looking for a book. He didn't find one. So he finds somehow an author that's in the process of writing a book. So he's so starving for information for this. He finds somebody who's in the middle of writing a book and he's like, I really need information on how this works. Can we just like, like while you're writing it, can I just, and then eventually he starts helping out with the author testing some things for the book because there just wasn't that much information, but the setup process and to the person's point, these are great solutions. I'm not saying that nobody should use these. And if you set them up, they're wonderful, but if I have a video to record or I have a project I need to get onto, I mean, I'd rather not do all that work. And if you have the time to set that up, it's great. But net data is just easy. Like, like I don't even, I never had to read. I mean, I, I looked at the documentation creating the videos that I've done, but to actually <laughs> use it, I never had to look at the documentation other than maybe the, the one line install command. That was probably they, Do you know what we see? We see even in big enterprises, Fortune 500 companies that use NetData and they have some other setup there. Yep. The amount of, let's say, not the insights that NetData can provide, the issues it can detect are unbeatable. When you have a system, Prometheus and Grafana, for example, are amazing. Eh? I have great respect for them. They are 
great for customizability. You can do whatever you want, etc., etc., etc. But if you try to emulate the completeness that the data has with them, you are going to spend years. Eh? You need all the expertise that we built into the tool. You need to replicate it. So even for biggest enterprises, what we see is that they install the data and suddenly they say, oh, yeah, we had a problem. No monitoring system found it except the data. <laughs> but I mean, people are using NetData's technology, whether they realize it or not, because I just love the fact that I read in a blog post of yours or, or one, I don't, know, I don't remember who wrote it, but it basically was talking about the new um, journal plugin. And I can't remember the verbiage, but the article was saying that, you know, parsing the journal is slow so that you guys didn't like that. So you submitted patches to system D to make it faster. <laughs> uh, now, like everybody, faster when I, when I go to do whatever it is they're doing and it's because NetData saw a problem and then, um, did something about it. And then I saw another forum post where somebody was um, asking about something and it wasn't even a NetData forum. And someone from NetData found it like, hey, I could probably figure that out for you and maybe do something to get that <laughs> in the code base. I'm like, gosh, that's that's in the trenches. I love that. You know, even the entire system did journal thing was like that. If you check the repository of NetData, we have our own uh, log management solution. It is merged mm -hmm. into the code, but we don't yep. use it. Because if you think a bit, System D journal is everywhere, everywhere. And you use it today, like it or not, it's there. Right. The ability to give you access to your logs, to analyze your logs without you doing anything. System D journal plugin doesn't have a single configuration and item, nothing. Eh? You can configure nothing. There is nothing to configure. So the fact that you, you, we give, the data gives you access to your logs on your entire infrastructure without you doing anything is the most important thing, I believe. Eh? <laughs> yep, and absolutely. This is, this is why it was very important to make System D Journal fast. Eh? We found the bugs, we fixed the bugs, we submitted them to System D Journal, and we managed to bypass in our code base the, the bugs, the slowness for all the System D versions. So the, the current version of the data on all System D, the slow one, is fast. Yep. <laughs> Yep, and I think this brings up to an important point. So, so you come up with a problem. You, well, you have a problem. You come up with a solution that is net data, and you know you're working in the open source ecosystem here, and you decided that this should be open as well. So, lead us a little bit on there. Your kind of history with uh, the open source world. So yeah, uh, you know, uh, open source for me is like a miracle. It's uh, I, I own to you to it everything that I am so far. I have been a C-level executive, uh, a good career, etc. In my life, I believe that I own everything to open source. And if you look uh, in a hundred years from now, the, the I am sure they will say that one of the biggest miracles of humanity of this period is open source. So for me, uh, I always tried in my life to give something back. I, had, I have a few other projects um, that uh, all of them had some success. Eh? The data skyrocketed <laughs> completely. So I, I hit the nail, I think, or something. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. um, for me, it's very important to be open source. I, be, I believe that the, op the open source movement is what makes us humans. Eh? It's the opposite of what art is doing. Look, the movies, the, 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 the rights there and the licenses and the likes. It's a mess. 
and actually yeah. uh, they are there to limit access to uh, art or whatever it is, eh? movies or whatever. The, this thing for technology. Oh, my cat! Sorry, guys. That's all right. <laughs> no, but but I mean, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're we're. I don't. Yeah, I don't understand the same thing because we're a tribal species. We've evolved from you know tribal man, where people are in groups and they're you know sharing with each other. And then now nowadays, if we watch a movie at the theater that we really like, we feel inclined to tell people about it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do us any good. But we like to share that. We like to spread what we like and what we enjoy and, and do that in a group. Unless you're a complete introvert, that's totally fine. But more often than not, we, we like to, you know, recommend a movie, recommend a video game, or we like to share this, share that. So I feel like open source just makes more sense from a human perspective. Because it's very it collaborative. The, yeah, it lets the pleasure of it come out. Because I, instead of like saying, oh, I have this program, it does a thing. I could say, I have this program, it does a thing, but check out the code I wrote here. Check out this function I did. And, it, oh, you have a better idea for the function. Let's see it. Let, let's do it. Maybe you could save me some lines of code. And, um, and I just don't think, you know, proprietary computing is just going to stand no. the test of time, to your point. It, I just don't. It really doesn't. Uh, look, today, what open source does, especially for businesses, is that it's a way to change how you uh, go to market. This, yep. is the, this is the biggest difference at the end of the day. Eh? Initially, it was community. Only community, Linus and his friends doing the, the things, etc., etc. Today, however, for open source projects, this changes. So look what happens. Let's assume that Netdata was not open source. How we would make a Fortune 500 company open the doors to us? Impossible. Impossible. Eh? As a startup, you don't have access to this. But today, they come to us right, with open source. Yep. So this changes the dynamics, eh? changes on w- what access good projects have eh? on, the, on the market. Now, the tricky part is how to make money, because when you are funded, you need to make money. Eh? So not only that, guys, the, the project the data, for example, has been funded. We have spent already $30 million to build this, uh, to build it. It's an expensive thing. It's a big team behind the, behind the scenes <laughs> that builds it and offers it for free. Good coders is expensive. Yeah. That yeah. is very, very important. The, oh, yeah. the investors want something back. <laughs> Come on. So the idea is that you need to find a way to monetize it. While being open source, so I don't want to, to get money from the people that cannot pay. Right? I, I love this being a gift to the community, to the humanity. But at the same time, people that make money right, or can make money out of this, or they want to use the most advanced features of it, come on. They need to support us because we need the next round of funding and we need to progress right. and we need to have a sustained company to continue support this and improve it. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's the tricky part. And we're trying to find the balance. We have not found it yet. Eh? So we're not yet at the, at the moment that we can yeah. say, okay, we have it. <laughs> but I, I really think the way your cloud collector works and you know the subscription model you have for that, I subscribe to it. I have my servers tied to it. I really like it. I, I think that's one way on there. But it is it is a really tricky balance. A lot of companies that are in the open source, they sometimes have a hardware component they sell. The problem is uh, hardware is easy to commoditize and 
someone can undercut you and it becomes very, very cheap. Um, I really like these support and subscription models and I've seen some success with that. I mean, Red Hat's famous for it. They're, they're pretty much right. like set the standard for how it can be done in the market, but it's still not, um, it's not easy. And I see a lot of people will complain about some of these open source projects. I'm like, contribute back. Don't complain, figure out ways yeah. to contribute back, figure out, especially, you know, I've, I was recently in another debate with um, a large company uh, that their developer was complaining about things not being updated that they needed specifically for their company, which was a unique ask, but they didn't want to pay for it. And I'm just like, well, you should buy support licenses. Oh, I, we would, we, we have like a hundred servers. I'm not buying support licenses for a hundred servers. I'm like, you have a hundred servers and you, you're complaining and don't want to give money back. I'm like, don't be the problem with open source. You, yeah, you clearly I, work I, for a big company if you have a hundred servers. I, I usually <laughs> tell companies, if you adopt an open source solution from a proprietary one, obviously you're going to save money on licensing. So take a percentage of the savings and give it back to the project that yeah. helped you save the money in the first place. So if you're going to pay $10,000 for a license to something, Give a give a couple thousand to the project that you ended up going with. I mean, you're still saving seven or eight thousand dollars. You can still brag to your employer. You don't have to nickel and dime anything. Just give back. Like like you said, Tom. I just I really appreciate you saying that because it's it's just a mindset. I just don't know if people realize it. It's not like they don't all want to help. It's oh yeah, free thing. It does the thing. I can move on to the next project. But right. take a minute if you're saving money. Just let the just just help them out. I mean, it's I think it's yeah um, should be like the the normal thing that companies do going forward. If they have the extra cash, they're saving money anyway. Just just throw some money at them. You know, especially for projects like NetData, our primary goal, what we try to do every day, is simplify the lives of engineers. Right? Yep. This is the goal. So when we look at the problem, we don't say how we're going to lock up the customer to us, eh? how we're going to make it difficult to buy services from us, etc. We are trying to kill the problem for everyone. <laughs> now, this is something that, especially for open source, should be, to my understanding, people should uh, respect that. Eh? They don't always do. And in many cases, you know, even um, on Reddit, etc., there are a lot of people that object about a tone of different things. Eh? Um, yeah. But I think the, the currently the open source movement, especially when some people have put money, eh? they are trying to uh, fund, to support open source. I need, the, it needs the love of people. And if, exactly. people, if yeah. people don't love it enough, don't support it enough, uh, eventually these companies will vanish. It's inevitable. <laughs> I think your business model is going to be one that's going to be like extremely common at some point because I think companies are going to realize that it it can work, but often doesn't work if you sell it to the CTO. But if sell is in, even if it's free, sell in air quotes, but um, the CTO will then say, yeah, I want to go with that and then force everyone underneath that person to go with it, whether they like it or not. But if you go to the system administrators and fix something that they hate, then they will recommend to the CTO. At that point, you don't have to deal with resentment because what can happen is the system administrators are like, really? We have to use this? We don't want to use this, but we have to use this. And now they're upset. But if they like the solution and they battle test it and then they recommend it, to someone above them, they, I feel it, like that's always going to work out better every single it, time. It's more complicated. What I have, what I see a lot of times is that people that work within big enterprises have trouble convincing their managers 
about the need for an open source tool. And being open, open source allows them to use you, limited, but allows them to use the tool and get some benefits out of it. Because right. the moment um, you go higher, there are policies and you know decisions and whatever else that prevent them from buying this thing. And I am okay with this. Uh, so uh, to my understanding, Nedata is a tool that saves time from engineers. So that's the balance. That's the balance. You don't want to save the time. It's okay. Go from Theos, Grafana, do something else. It's okay. Great tools, amazing tools. To be, if you know what you are, you want to do, uh, but if you want to save time and you want to do it to, today, eh, let, then this tool can help you. And even the, the you said about the cloud offering. Look what we did. If you go, for example, to Datadog, all your data are going to Datadog. Datadog has the database server. What we do, and actually this was one of the trickiest part to be high resolution, high cardinality, high granularity in a data without limits. What we do there? Every data is monitoring in a box. So you have it, all database, query engines, everything is there, visualization. Eh? Now you have a lot of them. You can have parents. Parents are nodes, or if you have a ephemeral, ephemeral nodes, for example, a Kubernetes cluster, you need something outside that cluster to have the data because the cluster may vanish at any time at any point in time eh? so but these parents can also be used to build centralization points within your infrastructure as many as you want now what we do with a cloud within a data cloud is that we query your database servers we query your data to actually give you the aggregated view that you want the metadata that we have in a data cloud are tiny. We only want to know which are the nodes, where can we access them, stuff like this, eh? which metrics they have, but not the data. We know that it collects system CPU, but not the actual metrics. Eh? So the idea with a data cloud is how we can allow people to have all the data fully on-prem, nothing exposed on the internet eh? or, or on our SaaS offering, I, and at the same time, allow them to be high fidelity, unlimited metrics per second, everything, machine learning everywhere, etc., and give them an infrastructure view and access from anywhere, role-based access, etc., from a SaaS offering. So it's complementary. We're not replacing a data agent. Everything on a data cloud is just an add-on, a layer on top of what the data has already. And I think from a fundamental standpoint, having it distributed like that makes it so much easier. I mean, I've worked with and dealt with some large enterprise companies that complain about how large their data lake is and the amount of storage it takes and how it's, and it's a challenge for them because as these companies grow, sometimes even the queries you run against them start taking more and more time. And it's because they've tried to go, Hey, let's take all the data and we're going to stick it in our data center and we're going to take everybody's data. And when they get really big, this is a challenge, but, but first you've eliminated the problem of that, which lowers the cost and it's faster. This is a better way to do it. It doesn't yeah. take much compute on an individual basis. Right. I can set up a thousand of these and it's and no big if deal. You, if you think of it, the, the way you connect your data together with parents, etc., and you use the data cloud, what you are actually building is a huge Pipeline, eh? a data lane. This is oh, it. Yeah. yeah. But the good thing is that it's totally distributed. Not all data are in, all, in one point. Eh? So all your infrastructure is doing part of the work. Right. 
Not only that, we use, usually in a data uses resources that are available and spare. So it is installed on all your servers. It takes 1% CPU and 100 megabytes of RAM. Come on, this is spare already everywhere. So this makes monitoring a lot more higher fidelity, but a lot more cost efficient at the same time. Yes. So it's, you it's have cost goals, high fidelity, lower cost. Eh? Yeah, and this is why this model that we have, I believe, is is the winning model. Eventually, this thing will go on. It's it's inevitable because the other has huge, tremendous scalability scales. Tremendous. Look at the ingress costs. Let's assume that you were in uh, AWS eh, and you have servers mm -hmm. in AWS. What are you going to do about the ingress cost? Monitoring is a, st a steady bit, sends data eh? all the time. What yeah. are you going to do? What we allow is put a parent there. Eh? What you are going to pay for egress is only what you view, not for the whole. <laughs> right. And, 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 it, but everything is streaming instead yeah. of being stored, which is brilliant that through NetData Cloud, it streams, but it doesn't save anything there. But you can still see it. It looks like NetData has all your data, but but they don't. The data is actually <laughs> coming from your server, not from yes. NetData. The only thing coming from NetData is the UI and the logic around it, or the algorithms, or whatever you guys do. But Even the analytics code, if you want to know what you guys do. But yeah, yeah it, it's like easy because you don't have to worry about any of that. It's just so, so machine amazing. learning alerts. Everything is at the edge with NetData. Everything eh, is spread all over the place in your infrastructure. So this makes it a lot more affordable at the end of the day, a lot, yep. tremendously. Yep, absolutely. That's a great solution, and I've been using it for a long time. So yeah, I think one final question I have, I've seen this popped up in the chat. What about, uh, is there plans to, I, I know it's a completely different beast. Is there plans for a native Windows agent? I know there's ways you can connect Windows. I, I've seen that as an option, but is there any plans to do any Windows agent monitoring? Yes, guys, of course, we can port the data anywhere. The problem is that we are 30 people. We have a huge plan ahead yeah. of what needs to be done for the things yeah. that we do. Eh? Support open telemetry, support this, support that, more collectors, uh, improve. Now we're putting dynamic configurations on you, you uh, on the next version of the data, you will be able to to configured data collection and streaming and all alerts from the UI. Eh? No need for, if you don't use CI uh, to push configuration files anywhere, you can use it from the UI. So all this requires resources. So right. eventually, and at the same time, we have a runway that we need to cherry pick what will give us right. most of the revenue to sustain and convince our our uh, um, uh, investors to actually invest more. <laughs> so, <laughs> but what if, what, yeah, but about that though, what if a company like really wants this feature and it's the only thing stopping them from using it because they have a mixed environment and then they say, we'll fund if it, we, we'll throw some money at you. Right, with, yeah. if we would that give you guys to hire someone or something to get that done? I'm just curious because maybe somebody it, 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 listening to the it, podcast it, wants to give you money. It, it depends. So if something is missing from a customer, What we do is that the first thing is we evaluate if we are going to reuse it. Are we going to reuse it? Is someone else need, does someone need the same? If yes, then we do it. He will pay some of the cost and we will do it. If not, then it depends how critical is this customer for us. Right. right. But okay. I, generally, I'm trying to avoid this. 
So, so rather than uh, we, like a feature said, that one company wants for themselves that nobody yes, else could we have use, said, they want something that's going to be for everyone. Yes, we have said no to some very big contracts in the data, mainly because they wanted to build something on the data that I believe no one will need. And I said, no, come on, there is no point. Eh? I think that's, that's, that's a hard cool. thing. And sometimes that's what you have to do to make the project thrive is you have to say no to some things. <laughs> yeah, sometimes yeah. you have to say not right now to some things because some <laughs> things like, you know, the Windows functionality, I think I've seen you guys talk about it in forums before in the past, but it's, um, yeah, I get it. I mean, there's going to be some some required things that have well, to be done. But the very fact you guys are looking into this, even if it's on the roadmap, it's great. Yeah, I mean, it's it just... Uh, shows that maybe that's something we can look out for. Maybe we'll have another conversation at some point and that'll be yeah. something that'll come up. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you very much. This was wonderful. We loved having you on and learning about yeah. net data and everyone should, you know, we've got some videos on it. Go sign up, uh, go just download it. One line or install, which is beautiful, by the way, that you can just like do the one line install and it just figures it all out for you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you guys have Ansible roles too, don't you? I thought I saw Yes, that. of course, of course. You can install in the data with CI, etc. Actually, you can configure all collectors if you want. Eh? You yeah. can say yes, wow. this, yes, this, no, etc. You can do it. Yeah, you can dive in there. You don't have to use the automation, but if you're curious what it looks like, just use the automation. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, well, this thank is you very much, guys. It was oh, very nice so to be much. here. I love you. <laughs> yes, yes, we love the product. So uh, we we'll definitely too. be following up with you on this. So thank you, everyone, for tuning oh, in. I didn't, I didn't mention that we have a home lab plan that is coming uh, coming oh, live today. So if lab. you we are a hacker, et cetera, you want to get oh, yeah, the full product about. unlimited, we have a very small price uh, to give you full access to everything in a data cloud oh, cool. uh, for almost no money. So Good. Well, I will. I'm looking forward to that. We should have led yeah. with that. So I like the, uh, <laughs> we'll yeah, talk about that. A big reveal towards the end. Big reveal towards <laughs> the end here. I'll probably <laughs> put that in the description. I think we will. All right. Well, thank you very much. And everyone take care. Thank, thank you very you. much. Bye.